Kambanani, good evening, Dumelang, and welcome to episode 177 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzaman Tungwa Kumalo. It's the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. Yes, we're coming to you live on Christmas Eve uh, here on Private Property. I'm sure some of you are probably already marinating your meat and making sure that you're you know, prepping for tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's uh, meal with your family. And of course, hoping that you're going to be staying as safe as possible. We are seeing uh, you know, surging numbers um, of COVID-19 and see, certainly seeing also a lot of casualties. So if you are going to be with family, try and keep it intimate, uh, very small, only the people you live with uh, and exercise caution as much as possible. We certainly want to see you in the new year and you know bring you the best property content that we obviously can bring to your screens. And talking about property content, we also bring you uh, the first time home buyers show with Esther Klassen. And that comes to your screens every single Wednesday at 7.45. Uh, we spoke, uh, you would have seen the show yesterday where she was speaking to Cindy Lelisiani. And if you missed that one, they were talking about buying a property uh, with a property stock file and really going through some of the things that you want to make sure you get right. So do go back and listen in on that conversation uh, that Essie Clarkson had on the first time home buyers show. We also bring you the farming podcast. This is an exciting podcast. Umbali Noko brings you the farming podcast every Tuesdays and Thursdays at one o'clock. And of course, this covers all your agricultural needs, you know, from crop farming to livestock farming to using tech in agriculture. We don't, you know, leave any aspect of the agricultural value chain. And if you have any suggestions about some of the topics that you definitely want us to cover, whether it's on the first time home buyers show, the private property podcast, or of course the farming podcast, then do send through your suggestions down here below. We simply love hearing from you and we definitely want to be able to bring you the content you want to see on your screens. Whenever you leave you alone over the weekend, you already can see that the weekdays jam packed with a lot of content. And over the weekend, Chad brings you the best of what this country's estates have to offer uh, with the developer show and that you can look forward to every Saturday and Sunday at one o'clock. So that's some of the great content that we have on offer for you here uh, at Private Property. And we're going to be bringing certainly more in the new year and we're quite excited about that. But talking about something that we're very excited about, we are running that competition where you stand a chance of walking away with 1,500 rand with your, with your friends and family. Of course, I'm talking about questions for the champions. This is a competition where we're asking you uh, uh, to form a team of five with four of your friends and family members and give yourselves a great unique name. Make sure that you hop on the live when we start at seven. Let it be known that you're watching uh, and then wait until the end of the conversation uh, because that's where we ask the five questions and the team that gets the most correct walks away with that 1,500 rand. It is that easy uh, to walk away with that cash Prize. So do make sure that you stay tuned. The questions are always based on the previous day's uh, episode. So we want to make sure that you're watching. We're keeping the questions and the statements very simple. So stuff that you'd be able to easily remember uh, if you're just watching. So we, don't, we know it's been a rough year. Nobody wants to be writing exams. I hate exams. I think we should do away with them altogether. Uh, so we want to keep them uh, certainly as simple as 
possible. And talking about something that could be simple, uh, that is this evening's conversation. And this evening we're looking at a detailed guide to short-term holiday rentals. I'm joined by Leanne Harrison, who's a portfolio manager at Pam Golding Management Services. Leanne, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Summer. Thanks for having me. You know, Lee, and it is that festive period. And unfortunately, in, in many ways, it's not as festive as we're typically used to. I think, if anything, this is usually that time of, uh, you know, the year where a lot of holiday destinations are booked out from the ones that we're very used to to the ones that are managed by even some of the viewers at home, whether it's by Airbnb or you've got uh, some kind of other holiday package that you put together, perhaps a holiday home that you're deciding for a certain period you rent out, perhaps it's a timeshare. So there are all these different ways that this you know, season, typically we see people um, holidaying in different ways. And in as much as we not seeing the kind of numbers that I know we typically see. People have already, you know, booked out some holiday places. Some have moved there already, uh, are probably going to be spending Christmas and the New Year, so going to be coming back um, earlier. And of course, there are also concerns from, you know, other people around um, if we go up a level or two or even three uh, in terms of our restrictions then what's going to happen with their reservations or they paid maybe christmas is for family and then new year they want to be out um, somewhere alone so those are some of the things that we're going to be exploring this evening when it comes to short-term um, rent holiday rentals because a lot of people already i mean i know i'm I, i'm hopefully going to be going away uh, you know, in January, but now when you're looking at these numbers and everything is paid for, it's mm -hmm. booked, you're also just slightly worried, right, that perhaps yeah. it's already outside of the um, cancellation um, policy of that particular service period. But perhaps this first sort of start and with the benefits of you know, short-term leasing during the during this period, mm -hmm. because some people have, I think, yeah. kind of tried to make find different ways to make money. Uh, so let's look at the benefits of yeah. that during the holiday season. Uh, thanks, Amma. Um, look, many people buy into residential estates or sectional title developments for investment purposes. Um, and with the way the economic or the pressures are currently, this is a good way to maximize your investment, boost your income, have a second income as opposed to one, you know, especially during this time. Um, there's also the benefits of um, the profitability profitability being higher than traditional letting, as well as your less of a risk of outstanding rental if you've got a short-term le lease, because lease, um, less or lessees pay earlier. They pay before they, before they um, stay. So there are a lot of benefits in um, short-term letting your property, um, especially during this period or this pandemic. Mm. So then Leanne, what's the difference? Because I mean, some people yeah. will say, look, you can just have a uh, maybe a three-month, uh, you know, lease or six months or twelve months. So, what thing differentiates your your let's call it slightly longer-term yeah. lease with the with the short-term leases? Yeah. Um, so they generally have the same characteristics. So you've got a lease agreement where someone two parties into into an, an agreement where one rents a property owned by the other in exchange for generally a sum of money. So it's the same with regards to normal leases and short-term leases. However, the one differentiating factor is the period. Now, in terms of sectional title legislation and other legislation, there's no definition for short-term letting. But generally, the terms are normal traditional lease, 
is between six to 12 months, whereas a short-term lease is between anything from one to 30 days. So that is the main differences between the two. The, 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 um, the contract is still the same. You have to comply with the same um, contract, the conditions, the rules, et cetera. It's just the period that differs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, if we then the, and kind of look at the responsibility of the parties that enter into this mm-hmm. agreement, and I actually want to make it just slightly broadly, because what you tend to sometimes find with holiday um, rentals is obviously we'll have the landlord, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, private landlord or, or company, then you'd have the, the, the tenant and oftentimes the tenant is never alone, right? So you're coming with friends or family. So what are, what is the responsibility mm. or what are the responsibilities yeah. of the respective parties in that transaction? Yeah. So generally before you even consider short-term letting or purchasing a property, always look at your scheme governance documentation, whether it's permissible or not. Um, a lot of the times I find that people purchase property and they don't actually know that it wasn't it wasn't allowed, and then there's then, then then there's an issue as to what do I do now because I bought this for a purpose. So it's always important to examine the rules and also the municipal bylaws because you have to apply for a Cape a city of Cape on departure, especially in the Western Cape, um, if you want a short term lease your property. Um, also ensure that the tenant is well versed in the rules. Uh, so you confirm with them these are the rules that you have to comply with, because should there be a breach, it's attributable to the owner, not only the tenant. The owner will get that fine if a fine is raised or whatever the case may be. Um, an owner also has to comply or in- ensure that they inform the body corporate that they are intent on short-term letting their, their unit, um, the details of the tenant, as well as the period of their stay. Um, the responsibilities of the, of the renter or lessee um, that is to comply with the rules, um, ensure the least amount of disruption to the other residents, because that's a major factor, because you've still got other people living, long-term residents living in the, in the area or in the community scheme. Avoid damage to your property, because generally, long-term or short, they haven't got much of an interest in maintaining the property, yeah. as opposed to somebody who owns the property. It's, a, it's something to take into consideration. And also a big thing, especially during these times, is security protocol. So, you know, when you move into a place, you get, get handed a set of keys or a remote or a tag. Make sure that you keep it. Don't lose it. Um, when you exit via a gate, check that the gate is closed. Um, comply with the protocols um, as if you were living there as a long-term tenant. Mm-mm. You know, um, Leanne, I'm certainly interested to find out about making provision for additional guests, you know, is that something that should be made upfront um, in, the, in the agreement? Or because, I mean, if you're going to, for example, book out a, let's say a house um, that sleeps eight or 10 people, and you're going to be booking it out for, let's say a week, should there be provision around how many guests can be uh, in that particular property? Is that something that should be overtly stated in the agreement? Look, usually um, with a house, let's say a house is six bedrooms, sleeps 12 people, or maybe an extra if there's a, if there's a sofa or a super couch. When you, when you make the booking, generally you can choose how many people are going to be staying, and it can be less. So you can have 
a six sleep, a six bedroom, and only three couples stay. But what usually what happens, and I've seen when I've gone to stay at a place for a short-term stay, they lock the other bedrooms. So if you were intending on staying for your 12 people in a six bedroom, but you only book for three, for six people, you'll see that when you arrive, there, there might be a locked bedroom and you won't know where to stay. So it's always important to let your um, landlord know. And I think not all the time, generally, when you go to your short-term with your holiday rental, they you'll most likely get a key via an office or you're not necessarily going to be personally escorted to the place. So if you are caught with extra people at the, at the, at the, at the rental, there may be consequences in terms of the agreement that you entered into. There could be a deposit that you won't be able to get back or they might refuse you to, um, to stay or, you know, with all these um, online platforms, they could rate you negatively, which then affect your future renting or on any platform you won't be able to or people will deny you um being able to rent on a short-term basis mm -hmm. i mean i know for viewers at home who are watching us it is a festive season we come on air at a time when you might perhaps be uh, about to have dinner with your family or perhaps this is part of your dinner viewing we certainly want to hear from you what your holiday plans are you know are looking at uh, you know a guide to short-term holiday um, rental. So are you still in your house or have you decided to travel um, a little bit out of town? Obviously, you know, staying safe, social distancing, sanitizing, wearing your mask. So do share with us what your holiday plans are and are they any different from what you typically do uh, with your family during this festive season? We're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, we are going to be taking your questions and comments at home. We're also going to be looking at uh, tips for homeowners who may perhaps want to go into you know, short-term holiday rental. You know, some people would argue, listen, maybe this is not the best time. Tourism numbers have been hard hit. But you've also found that a lot of us have been getting very cranky and we really do want to change of environment. So we do find ourselves leaving our homes uh, for you know, a nice bush escape as much as possible. I've been seeing quite a lot of those uh, because you know that you're alone, you're secluded, you're in the bush, you're spending a weekend away. So I think there's certainly a, a, a demand for those. Uh, if anything, a part of me thinks a lot of the local service providers, so I'm talking about the private lodges, need to rethink their pricing because as many of us have seen they don't have prices that speak to the local demographic for the most part uh, and often they you know we find them complaining that uh, they've been hard hit uh, because south africans don't travel except we do we do travel locally but they're, they're they've passed themselves for a you know a us or a uk uh, market so the pricing is completely warped uh, and I think when you're a South African, you're looking at that price, you're thinking, look, for, for 5000 a night per person sharing, you might as well just go abroad because what's the point of spending, you know, four days in, in a bush? Because we're also used to the bush, right? So I simply want to hear from you. What are your holiday plans? Uh, what are your, you and your friends or family getting up to? And how have you tried to, you know, adapt to the reality that we're finding ourselves in because the reality is that we're not really able to do what we previously used to do. I know for some families uh, going to the coast, making sure you go to the beach is quite a big part of your holiday plans. We know that that's something that isn't possible right now. So how have you adapted uh, to what we find ourselves now in order to still try and enjoy the festive season as much as you can? We're going to go for a break and we'll also uh, during the break be hearing from Estee Klaassen just in a bit.
What's up, private property fam? You know why I'm here. I'm here to announce tonight's estate agent winner. I hope you're getting ready for Christmas. And the winner is Ndaba Mkize. You've won yourself 1,500 Rand cash. This is what Ndaba says. I signed my first contract with Sif at the beginning of September. I sold my first sole mandate in October, one month in. Yesterday, I sold another property and I have two new listings this week. Yes, it's been a challenging year, but opportunities have presented themselves as early Christmas gifts. Well done, Ndaba. You guys know what to do. Tell us about your 2020 highlights and how you managed to remain on top of your game. Have a Merry Christmas. Welcome back to episode 177 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's the Christmas Eve edition of the Private Property Podcast. And this evening, we're looking at a detailed guide to short-term holiday rentals. I know that there are some property investors that still think this is a lucrative market and trying to find different ways to take advantage of uh, some of the holiday rental accommodation that's currently gone on sale. I've seen uh, some investors offloading uh, those properties from their from their property portfolio so some are thinking look we may be in the middle of a pandemic but we're not going to be living like this forever so their long-term view is try and buy those now and you already know that perhaps in a year you'll be able to make those returns Uh, and so we're going to be looking at certainly this half uh, looking at some tips for people who want to go into home ownership especially when it comes to those holiday uh, destinations We are also taking your questions and comments at home. And I want to hear from you. How are you spending this festive season? You know, have you uh, adapted and changed your plans as a family in order to be able to adapt to the COVID-19 crisis that we find ourselves in right now? And how have you tried to still stay festive as much as possible, um, even as we are trying to make sense of the second wave? Because I think there's now, uh, we kind of, I think slightly started relaxing, but the second wave is probably showing us that we need to be more vigilant than we were before. Going on to some of the questions and comments at home, we've got a question uh, from one of our top fans, Oh, Bongs Sabakwena. Bongs, I haven't seen you in a while. And Bongs says, can the body corporate refuse an owner permission to rent their property short term, for example, for Airbnb purposes? Uh, Thanks, Summer. Very good question and very applicable, especially since the sort of birth of short-term renting in South Africa. Now, body corporates are permitted to uh, not permit short-term letting in their conduct rules. So if the rule states no short-term letting for whatever period, six months or less, three months or less, 
you have to comply with those rules. If they wish to make a body corporate rule that they don't want short-term letting, they can do so. But with an, a rule amendment, you require 75% of the homeowners to pass that rule. So it's always dependent on the actual scheme and what that scheme permits in terms of the rules. So we, before you even buy and you are considering uh, renting on a short-term basis, have a look at the rules, ask your agent, ask a transferring attorney, have a look at the rules first before you buy or sign the offer to purchase. Mm-mm-mm. You know, Leanne's sort of staying uh, similar to that, then what yeah. would be the risks um, of short-term um, agreements, of those short-term lease agreements? Um, there are quite a few, and that's, I think, what the, the body corporates and these estates take into consideration when they either permit it or not permit short-term letting. So the biggest one is the increased risk of, da- risk of damage to the property plus the common property. Uh, something as simple as, um, you know, guests, they have those wheelie um, bags, and I've found that they chip the tiles, they, they don't carry them up the stairs or down the stairs properly, causing damage to something as simple as a tile. But it's something that the, the body corporate then has to cover at the end of the day. Another issue is, again, security concerns. Um, you know, tenants generally don't, they're not, short-term tenants aren't there to, they're not interested in complying with the protocols. They'll lose their discs, tags, remotes. Um, they won't, uh, they'll allow guests in and out. They won't um, check the gate closing when they leave or enter. Another issue is noise and nuisance issues. So generally the biggest factor is that, you know, you come in for two nights, you come here for a party, you have a massive party at the flat and you wake up the entire third floor. You then have to deal with this every three or four nights. So that's a massive issue that the body corporates have to deal with. Um, another issue, overcrowding. Like we mentioned that, you know, what if your place is only three bedrooms, but you have 12 people coming to stay. Uh, the bylaws do, um, some, do um, state that certain amount of people per, per, per unit, but a, a lessor isn't always controlling that. They just want their income. And then the final thing, which uh, is very important, is unlawful occupation. So myself as a tenant, I short-term lease, but I don't leave when I'm supposed to. Now, you can't just evict me. Bless you. Thank you. You can't just evict me. Um, there's a process to follow. So that's also a consideration. You know, you have to weigh that risk when short-term letting your, your, your place. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the unfortunate thing is, I suppose it's fortunate for the actual tenants, but uh, short-term tenants are there for a short time uh, and a nice time, not a long time, right? So oftentimes you really are there to party it up and to do things that you potentially wouldn't do in your own property. Yes. Uh, and so I think that's probably one of the reasons why you sometimes do get these places. You want to be able to throw a nice big party um, sometimes not even have to clean up. You probably, uh, you know, get somebody to pay, or you will pay that additional fee that they have you pay when um, you want cleanup to happen yeah. because you don't you actually don't mind the stress. So then, uh, Leanne, what tips would you give yeah. to our viewers at home who want to go into the short-term rental holiday space? Because there is a market. It's, there's quite a big mm. market, especially in um, different holiday destinations. We're seeing some areas kind of popping up um, and different kinds of experiences um, you know being curated by different uh, people so then what would what tips would you give them that will help them uh, certainly have a very smooth transition 
um, in terms of getting into the space and then be able to best manage their uh, portfolio? Mm. Um, before I go to the general tips, one thing to highlight is informing your insurer or your insurance broker, because sometimes there are terms and conditions of your policy that don't apply to short-term letting, which may affect a claim should there be one. So always chat to your broker or insurer before you start the process. And then um, things that I've learned, we just actually got back yesterday from uh, staying in Plexenburg Bay for seven days. And some things I've always picked up is, um, you know, with any home, I'm going to go stay there for a holiday most likely or to enjoy myself. So I want the home to be a holiday home. So to make sure there's enough in terms of entertainment, a functioning braai area, a pool, jacuzzi, um, games, books, the like, so that the people living there can enjoy it in terms of a holiday. Another tip is just simple amenities. So uh, nothing extravagant, you know, that because especially if you've got an expensive bath, but you're getting people stay there and that breaks or something happens, it's going to cost you. So keep everything simple, um, enough for the people living there, nothing too, you know, sort of fancy. Um, another, another issue is um, cleaning. So most times the ones I've stayed in, they get companies to come in and clean. So once during the stay, depending on the period or they after, because I'm sure you don't want to go there after 12 people have had a party at your, at your place to clean. So get a cleaning company to go in there in the minute they've left, so they can do a proper clean. Also with COVID-19, um, have some COVID protocols in place. Um, the company getting to clean, make sure they come and defog. I know that I think as myself, my host did call me and say he's done, the, he's done everything he needs to. He's defogged the place. He's um, done all the necessary. So we felt quite at ease when we arrived. And then another item would be security protocol. I can't stress it enough because it's something that is very important currently in, in the country. So ensure that there's security, functioning security and alarm an emergency, a panic button, because generally if I'm outside having a bra with my friends, I'm not really worried about the front door being unlocked or whatever the case may be. So maybe inform your guests that you have this in place and try and ask them to enforce it or at least have sort of two or three barriers uh, at your um, house or apartment. Mm. And, and before we wrap up, and any tips then for the people who are going to come and stay? Because I think one of the things that sometimes potentially happens is, you know, you come and stay, um, let's say you don't break anything, uh, but after you've left, then the owner says you've broken X, Y, Z, then how do you essentially deal with that one? Look, it's very tricky because it becomes a he said, she said. So mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at something like if there is, um, glass that potentially could break, keep it out of bounds. Um, if you think that, if you've noticed something that is broken when you arrive, inform the landlord or your um, lessor about it. And I think once you leave, just take one last look. And I mean, if the lessor ultimately says something is broken, then I suppose you have to just, you know, argue about it. Mm. But I think anything that potentially could break, always just keep it out of bounds or avoided if um if anything should happen mm. well the end we are going to leave it there uh with this evening's episode thank you so much for joining us and thank you for always making time to have a chat with us we certainly do thanks so much that you and your family will have a great christmas tomorrow and we'll see you in the new year thanks summer and to you and your family
Thank you so much. And that is Harrison, who is a portfolio manager at Pam Golding Management Services. We're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, it is going to be that time for questions for the champions. You certainly don't want to miss this Christmas Eve edition of that one. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Christmas Eve edition of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. Well, it is that time of the evening where we get to questions for the champions. I know we've been doing a lot of statements uh, uh, and we also got statements this evening. And the five statements for this evening, I hope that your team is ready. Remember when you answer these uh, questions, you want to make sure that you also use your team name uh, because we want to make sure that we're able to track who is answering. And this one is based on the episode that we had yesterday, which is the estate agents, why we need them and how to ensure you've got the right one on board. I had that conversation with Untato um, that we've had on the Private Property Podcast for a number of times uh, this year. And the first statement against true or false is the role of an estate agent is to facilitate the transaction between a buyer and a seller or tenant and landlord. I'm going to repeat that, true or false. The role of an estate agent is to facilitate the transaction between a buyer and seller or tenant and landlord, true or false. And the second statement is every estate agent should register for the FFC certificate after five years. I'm going to repeat that one, true or false. Every estate agent should register for the FFC certificate after five years. Uh, the third statement, remember when you answer, you want to make sure that you also use the, uh, your team name so that we're best able to track it. The third statement is, is it, it is not advisable to use an estate agent for your first property transaction, true or false. I'm going to repeat it, true or false. It's not advisable to use an estate agent for your first property purchase. And that is the third statement. And the fourth statement, again, true or false, CMA stands for Current Merchandise Analysis. Uh, so that CMA stands for Current Merchandise Analysis, true or false. Remember, the questions are always based on the previous day's conversation, uh, meaning that because tomorrow is a public holiday, we're only going to be back on Monday. Uh, so the questions for Monday are going to be based on the conversation that we had today. And the last statement this evening is a home buyer can report any conflicts with their agent at the estate agency affairs board. 
true or false. It repeated, a home buyer can report any conflict with their estate agent at the Estate Agency Affairs Board. And those are the five statements, very easy because we want to give away this money. Uh, we want to make sure that we give away as much of it as possible. So do make sure that you enter, you encourage your friends and family uh, to hop on the live and be able to also stand a chance of walking away with that 1,500 rands. Well, that's it from me, Zamantu Kumalo, and this Christmas Eve. If you are, if you do believe in Christmas, uh, myself and the team certainly hope you a great Christmas tomorrow evening uh, and certainly do make sure that you're staying safe with your family and you know, enjoy each other's company as much as possible. We're going to be back on Monday with the Private Property Podcast. Until then, hopefully you're staying home and staying safe. I'm a 10-time South African motorcycling champion. My family and I have chosen to live in four ways. There's some really great suburbs in our neighborhood. There's a lot of families living in the surrounding areas in places like Lone Hill and Cedar Lakes. What draws people to Cedar Lakes is that it's so close to Broadacre Shopping Center, Cedar Square, and Four Ways Life Hospital. Lone Hill is a major drawcard for many families. It's got some great smaller commercial centers and some fantastic schools like Crawford College. From an entertainment point of view, Monte Cassino really comes alive at night. There's so much on the go and there's an incredible energy in the area. Our family just loves the fast-paced lifestyle that Four Ways brings. But honestly, the thing that attracted us most to this area was the active lifestyle that it offers. As a family, we've chosen to live in Four Ways because of the lifestyle and convenience, and this is our neighborhood.